Hello, this is Dr. Ned Hallowell, and welcome to my podcast, Dr. Hallowell's Wonderful World of Different. Today we have an unusual show in that we're going to present a different form of diagnosing a difference. My friend Jack Chen, who is the CEO of a company called Cognitive Leap, which is a digital mental health company exploring innovative ways of applying the latest technology to the diagnosis and treatment of all kinds of conditions. But the one we're focusing on today is ADHD and a particular technique they've developed, which is quite exciting in in my opinion. They're California-based, where along with my town of Boston, a, a lot of innovation seems to spring from. And uh, this particular different approach to diagnosing a difference is one I've been aware of for a few years now, and I think you'll find it really interesting. Let me just say they are looking for some research subjects. So if you have a child between the age of 6 and 13 who, who, as they talk, you'd like to get on this device and assess his attention, there's a number for you to call in the Boston area that happens to be because one of their principal investigators comes from around here. The number is 617-941-3795. That's 617-941-3795. I'm going to let the folks here tell you the story. The folks are Skip Rizzo, who's a professor at USC. When I asked him to tell me professor of what, there were so many areas I couldn't write them all down. So he's a professor of a lot of things at USC and a very brilliant man. And then the principal investigator is a young genius by the name of Aaron Ma. He's with Cognitive Leap as well, kind of leading the, leading the studies. And then the overseer of it all is a, a wonderful man by the name of Jack Chen. And he's the CEO and the one who uh, makes sure everything continues to happen and grow. I'm going to just open it up. I think we probably should start with Skip and let him tell you the story of the development of this ingenious, I don't know what you call it, headware, <laughs> this, ingenious, <laughs> this ingenious device through which you can not only be entertained, but actually learned a lot about how your brain operates. So Skip, Professor, take it away. All right. Thank you, Ned. I'd like to start off by just mentioning that some of the primary work that we're doing is using virtual reality as a tool to deliver cognitive testing within these virtual reality environments. So what we've created with the virtual reality attention tracker is actually a virtual classroom. And in this classroom, a child wears a virtual reality headset, is immersed within that world, and can look around and be tested on standard tests of attention, but delivered within this highly realistic environment. Within this environment, we can also manipulate things like distraction. We can have people walk into the room or kids fidgeting. The child has to pay attention to what goes on on the blackboard and make responses to that. But what we find is that this is a more what we call ecologically relevant way of testing attention skills in a context, a classroom, which is highly relevant for everyday functioning. So that's the specific 
project that we're working on here. If I can we'll just interrupt about. you, Skip, because yep. I've done the test myself. And when you mm -hmm. put on these goggles or whatever you want to call them, you really feel as if you're in a classroom. <laughs> you're sitting there and someone's walking in and out. They even have birds flying through the room. Not too many classrooms have that. But in, just in case a bird should happen to fly in, they supply one. <laughs> they have someone else making a noise. They have someone else drumming a pencil. All the things you would normally see in a classroom and experience. So while you're taking the test, it really does simulate what it's like to be in an actual classroom, particularly a classroom from the ages six to 13. And it makes it entertaining as opposed to most tests like this, which are horribly boring and don't replicate anything out of anyone's actual life. This one takes the child right back into the classroom, a place he or she may not want to be, but there they are, and it gives a real good indicator of what is happening as far as their ability to sustain attention goes, provides all the distractions that any classroom could provide and is highly realistic. I remember, forget the jargon you used, ecologically uh, accurate Relevant, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, but it is uh, true to life, that's for sure. But I just wanted to expand on that, Skip. So Yeah, I think that's a, a great reframing of my university professor description. <laughs> you know, and I, I think for your audience, a way to think about this is, uh, you know, think about aircraft simulators, you know, pilots, when you're flying on the plane next time, would you rather your pilot was tested, certified or trained in an aircraft simulator for how to deal with wind shear or fog landing? Would you rather he was tested from his responses on a paper and pencil test? And then you start to get the idea that we're really trying to simulate the real world challenges that these kids face in a very systematic way, and hopefully advance the quality of the measurement of attention uh, to make better predictions, to make better diagnoses, to inform a treatment plan, and so forth. What are some of the unique measurements that a person can't self-report? I mean, a lot of things someone can self-report. Children have a harder time than adults. But what are the things that you get from this test that would not be able to be self-reported? Well, one of the key elements here, of course, is we get all the standard measures in these types of computerized continuous performance tasks. How quickly does the child respond to a stimulus or to a demand in the classroom? How variable is the responding over time? How many times do they miss a target when it appears? Or how many times do they impulsively respond common element with ADHD when there isn't a target. The real added value is, you know, that we're also catching head movement. So we can tell if a child's looking out the window at a distraction and missing a target on the blackboard, or if they're looking straight at it and still missing a target, those are two fundamentally different errors, distractibility versus loss of focus, which is a key factor in really informing how you would go about implementing treatment with a kid. So it gives us a finer grain analysis to assess the hyperactivity component with the head movement, as well as the type or nature of errors in attention. And I think that's a, a powerful addition to the standard measures that people have been employing for the last 60 years. Absolutely. And Aaron, would you add anything to that? Yeah, I think the, the power of the virtual reality attention tracker is high quality data that can actually represent a lot of features and patterns of a, a children's body movement and their attention performances. I think our high resolution data can provide great power 
from our AI-driven algorithm to create comprehensive performance reports to aid in ADHD clinical assessment. What do you mean by high quality data? Yeah, so we actually, through the high technology, we were able to collect high frequency data that we can get their position of their head, where they're looking at every 20 milliseconds. That's, you know, that we call a high resolution data because we can represent their performance across 13 minutes, very high density sampling of data through their 13 minutes uh, time frame so that we can have this high resolution data that can represent a better performance tracking of their movement that can give us a better idea how they perform over 13 minutes. And why is that more useful than a teacher simply saying, Johnny or Jill can't pay attention and can't sit still? Yeah, this is a more objective and accurate way of getting those high sensitivity data rather than self-reporting is a more subjective way of getting those data coming from the teacher or from the parents. So this way we can make it, you know, very comparable between those tasks that we can compare one kid with their peers, that we can get everything from a very standard task that, you know, everybody get a very objective way of of their test results. So you can compare it to other kids of the same age. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really important. Yeah. Yes, uh, maybe add a little bit, maybe color to it, Matt, is that so you, after the test in 13 minutes, parents can report showing that a kid's movements as compared to a normative sets of data, same age, same gender, whether the kid is like in the bottom 10% or bottom 5%, or top 5%. So it's a matter of relativity. Otherwise, people's kids always say, my kids move a lot. But what do you mean by move a lot? Oh, the kid move more than 95% of other kids, same age, same group. So therefore, it gives a different sense of data which is not available to anyone. And that I think I heard from you a lot of times is when father, mother, or teacher do a form reporting a kid's performance. And the data are different because they look at a different time, teachers kind of observing kids in the classroom. Father, mother observe at the dinner table and father probably observe in a different place. So the data sets were all different versus here. It's kind of objective self-reporting because, you know, that performance is recorded in the system. And also the movements is recorded very finite, uh, 20 milliseconds. So therefore, that's why we say very high quality data sets. So you're reporting on the three key variables that go into making the diagnosis of ADHD, namely distractibility or inattention impulsivity or, you know, sudden uh, decision-making, and then finally restlessness or hyperactivity. So this device in 13 minutes gives you a, an objective measurement of those three variabilities, which are the key three variables in diagnosing ADHD. Yes. Say mm-hmm. yes. So perfectly, Ned. <laughs> you know, I, I think one key thing that we want to get straight with all this, though, is that all these sources of information and evidence have value. So, you know, parent, teacher reports, that's a good start point. We're not saying, you know, throw those things out and, and standardize neuropsychological tests. Those things provide another slice of insight into the issue. But I think what we have with this adds something that you can't get in those other methods. Like I said at the beginning, a, a different approach to diagnosing a difference. And yes, exactly. <laughs> it, it's uh, it's not, not to replace by any means the standard tools of the history as taken from the child, the parent, and the teacher. 
maybe also the pediatrician and whatever data you get through normal traditional testing, those are still very valuable. You know, the more information, the so. better. It's just that this new uh, device gives you in a short amount of time, 13 minutes, much more specific quantitative information than the other measurements that I mentioned can possibly provide. So taken all together, it's a powerful toolbox and this adds a tool. I just want to say again, Cognitive Leap is looking for kids between the ages of six and 13, boys and girls, who would like the fun actually of taking this test. And then the, the parents can, and the doctor can make use of the data. If you want to do it, just call this number, 617-941-3795. Again, 617-941-3795. And if you don't get a human being, leave a message and they, they will get back to you. I know this company is very attentive, <laughs> logically enough, since they're in the business of helping people with attention. I think they're on, to, I know they're on to something new and innovative that, that is a powerful tool. Skip, would you like to add anything or Aaron or Jack? Well, I, you know, I think that in the wider context, this is the direction that mental health, neuropsychology, medicine needs to go in, particularly now that these types of virtual or augmented reality applications are now low cost, widely available, and technologically really advanced. I mean, you're seeing systems put out by Meta, like the Oculus headset, which is low cost, and those are mostly used for entertainment. But the now that these large companies have gotten into the area has driven the technology so that this isn't, you know, what we used to think about virtual reality back in the in the 20th century, back in the 90s, when I first got involved with it. This is really a functional technology that, you know, we see impact in, in other areas of clinical application, whether it's treating PTSD or helping people with on the autism spectrum be more comfortable in social interactions. These are these are all areas that people have addressed over the last 25 years and a large scientific literature has evolved. And that is something that I think is important with Cognitive Leap is that they're attentive to the science. This data collection is probably above and beyond most companies that develop applications like this. We recently presented at the International Conference on Disability and Virtual Reality, a 700 kid normative data set from ages six to 13. That's a significant amount of data to have collected with neurotypicals so that now we have the basis for being able to develop something that you can compare with uh, neurotypical kids and to see where kids stand. And that that's a significant advance, both in virtual reality, but also in the clinical domain. Absolutely. And I, I love your mentioning applications in other parts of mental health. You referenced uh, autism spectrum and what a great thing to have a virtual reality tool where they can sit in a virtual social setting and interact and measure what they're feeling as it's happening, but also learn new ways of interacting without there being real life social consequences, you know, when they're inappropriate or goof up or, you know, something like that. That's huge for the, that population that really needs help. That's a wonderful application. Are there any other conditions that you've seen practical application for? 
Yes. You know, we've seen like in physical therapy and rehab, something that's very hard to motivate people say after a stroke and they're very frustrated because they've lost some element of their movement. You can put people in VR environments that are game-based so that it's fun to do your physical rehab. The same thing with the cognitive area. And this is area that Cognitive Leap is focused on is developing training systems that aren't boring, that right. aren't, you know, that aren't beating the kid up with, right. you know, stuff, you know, they're having fun, they're playing a video game. In right, a sense. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and they're motivated, they'll do it more. But if you design these things right, you can train these basic elements of cognition in ways that I have a hard time figuring out how you would do it any other way. <laughs> no, exactly. Now that you have it, it's, uh, and you mentioned a little bit earlier cost, you're offering this uh, for if someone wants to volunteer their child free of charge, correct? So uh, you get it for the right price, which is zero. And again, the number to call if you're interested is 617-941-3795. They're looking for kids, boys and girls, between the ages of six and 13. You parents are thinking, how about me taking the test? Well, there's no reason you can't. I took it. <laughs> but that's not what they're looking for in terms of the research that they're trying to do. Would the three of you like to add anything? And Jack, uh, maybe you wrap it up for us. Certainly. Thank you so much, Annette. I think this is wonderful that we have a chance to be on your podcast. You know, this company is inspired by two giants in the industry, Matt Hollowell and Skip Rizzo. Skip brought a technology to life and we commercialize it. Matt, you are the one who told us how to build something in the digital domain that can help treat kids with ADHD. One thing I would love to kind of share with you is that hundreds of people have using the methodology in a form of app and it has got really good results. So we are also applying for both FDA. One is that the virtual reality attention tracker and also the prescription digital therapeutic in a form of app. So both of them are in the FDA. We are collecting data. Hopefully you can help us to innovate will help people, millions of people worldwide. Thank you so much, everyone, for your help and support. And Matt, so much appreciating you being so helpful to us. Well, thank you, Jack. Jack Chen, CEO of Cognitive Leap, Skip Rizzo, professor of everything at USC, particularly virtual reality, and Aaron Ma, young genius principal investigator for Cognitive Leap. It was a real treat to have us discuss a different approach to diagnosing a difference and ADHD and attention issues, not just ADHD, but attention issues in general are a difference that's making ever more of an impact on today's world as things go faster and faster. And there's more to keep track of, more to attend to. You want to be able to get a, an assessment of where you stand in there. I'm so glad to have had you and uh, to do this uh, chance to present something new and unique and different. I'll give that number one more time if you have a child or know of a child who might be interested in this, 617-941-3795. And if you'd like to send us a note, we love to hear from you. A question, a comment, a complaint, a compliment, anything you'd like to see on the podcast just send it to different, the word different, at hallowellcenter.org. That's the word different at hallowell, H-A-L-L-O-W-E-L-L, center.org. Different at hallowellcenter.org. We'd love to hear from you. We 
We depend upon you. Our choices of topics and guests come from you all. So please make this podcast your own and we will be responsive to every single message we get. Again, thanks to Cognitive Leap, Skip Rizzo, Aaron Ma, and the CEO, Jack Chen. And thank you all for listening. This is Dr. Ned Hallowell saying goodbye for now. Bye.